You're listening to the Sports Therapy Association podcast. Let's talk about. Okay, how are you doing? Good evening. Welcome to the Sports Therapy Association podcast episode 72. Okay, we are getting there. I've promised that by the time we get to um, Therapy Expo, November 24th and 5th, it should be episode 77, unless I've miscounted it. But yeah, we're on our way there. So episode 72, 72 weeks of clinical gold, which is what I'll be talking about at Therapy Expo, if you want to join us in the STA Theatre. Um, but tonight, um, we're very excited. Before I thank uh, last week's speaker, and just to let you know what's coming up and who's coming up, it's going to be Pura Singh. Um, who has been lead um, osteopath for Athletics Team GB. has got loads of experience at Tokyo to share with us of working with elites, plus various football clubs, um, including Aston Villa and uh, Everton and Birmingham. And I'm talking like I know something about football here and everyone who knows me knows I don't. Um, but yeah, and also golf, PGA European Tour. Um, so yeah, absolutely fantastic um, source of information for working with elites. So we're going to be talking about that similarities working with recreational. We'll be talking about job titles, osteopath. He is by trade, um, but he employs different professions and he seems very, very um, knowledgeable in um, differences and similarities and how we shouldn't compare sports therapists and physios. We have a little chat about that off air. Um, and yeah, it's going to be a great episode. So stick around with us. And as always, if you've got any questions or comments, then if you're joining us live, just stick them in the comments, whether you're on YouTube or on the um, Sports Therapy Association Facebook page, and uh, we'll see them and pick them up. But before we get into that, then I just want to thank um, again, uh, Dr. Fiona Higgs from last week. Um, we had a Facebook, I'm going to blame on Facebook. It was a couple of days after the outage, wasn't it? So we did lose the Facebook feed after about 20 minutes, which was such a shame. It was a real shame um, because the episode was all about encouraging um, women to speak up. Um, and we went down some really interesting um, discussions about uh, why, for example, it all evolved around this uh, UTMB Ultra Trail Mont Blanc organization saying that in future in their races, um, painkillers of all type won't be allowed before 24 hours leading up and during the race in this in in good cause with the idea that you know the research is pretty solid um that it can cause a lot of issues if you're abusing long-term um, ibuprofen um, and that sort of thing uh during racing because um, your body needs that natural inflammation and kind of repair and if you're stopping that then it can lead into terrible problems and we've seen some tragic cases which are kind of related to and the overabuse of NSAIDs and other kind of um, sports products. Um, but it was interesting that decision was made. It was like, well, how come are there are no women organisers in here who would have gone, well, hold on, how about all the women who couldn't even get to the start line if it wasn't um, for using NSAIDs, for example, for menstrual pain, which is a big thing. Um, and also all the other disabilities which rely on painkillers to be able to participate and, 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 and give this diverse population to participate in sports. So it was a really interesting episode and um, it was a pleasure having Fiona back as a guest. And if you haven't listened to it yet, then check it out on your favourite podcast app or if you want to watch us um, on video, then you can go to YouTube or the Sports Therapy Association webpage. It's all on there. Um, and I've encouraged people, I always do, but if you if you listen to anything on there, particularly if you're um, a female therapist or athlete, if you've got any feedback and you want to get involved and got any questions, then do send an email to either myself um, or Fiona 
um our email addresses are in the show notes um and yeah keep that conversation going they've got lots of ideas on the forefront to try to um create more of a stage and, and encourage and give confidence um to female therapists to stand up and talk and chat um uh, so yeah do let us know if you're interested in participating being a guest um or a uh, a guest presenter or something on one of our coffee mornings we we kind of want to increase the platform so there we go right um I think that is it for all the thanks. If you are interested in um, Fiona's workshops coming up, then go to move-well.co.uk. We talked about her biomechanics online courses and also a fantastic selection of workshops to do with um, making presentations, understanding research. What else do we have? Look at my crib sheet because there's so much quality stuff there. How to read, how to read scientific journals, living an online workshop, all the CPD, which I kind of say, this is exactly what I help your business. Don't worry too much about that latest acronym and technique you can do with your hands. This is the business stuff coming from um, Dr. Fiona Higgs. So definitely check out her website for details of all of that. There we go. Um, I think I can go through that. Right. So tonight, um, like I say, we're the pleasure of spending um, just under an hour with Pura Singh. Um, and if you have questions and make sure you just fire them, whether you're on YouTube or the Sports Therapy Association podcast, uh, Facebook page and do bring them up. Right. Talking to that, I'm going to bring up the gentleman himself. Hello, mate. How are you doing? Very good, mate. How are you? I'm good. Um, sorry to keep you down there in our dark, cold <laughs> lobby for so long. It's freezing. I know. That's what Fiona <laughs> said. A little scurrying of rats around there. And yeah, I know. But yeah, pleasure to have you here, mate. Really, really appreciate you giving me no, some time. Thank you. thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. So mashing. Um, it's interesting because I've 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 um, I've never met you face to face before. Um, I believe you spoke at Therapy Expo a couple of years ago. Were you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We did. Uh, we did. Um, me and a, a friend of mine, Mike Grice. Um, we did Mike like some, some talks and and uh, we did some demonstrations of some some trackside therapy stuff we were doing with um with with elite athletes and so we did like a one of those outside the kind of uh, room kind of demonstrations to, to to a whole bunch of people it was really really good really good um it's fresh for me to do um and just show people what because people want to know what do you do with you know these guys that run sub 10 what, what 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 do i what do you do that's different to what i do to dave who wants to run you know a 15 second 100 meters you mentioned no Mike Grice, and that kind of made me think because I'd love to quote wherever I saw it. Um, let's see, it said, uh, "Yeah, positioned himself as the number one sports osteopath in the Midlands." I've seen that kind of flashing around the internet a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure yeah, Mike, 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 would Mike, Mike, Mike can't argue with that. <laughs> Mike can't argue with that. There's no, there's no us that can argue with that. Oh, we, okay. don't, we don't, we don't, we don't argue each other. We all love each other. So, like, we're all checking if Mike is down here and the, and the people who joined us yet. We'll come back. I think to I wouldn't that. argue with Rosie over it. Though. Rosie Sexton, yeah, I wouldn't argue with her though. She's, oh, really? Yeah, yeah. That she's pretty happy on a map. She was a fantastic uh, fighter. Oh, fantastic. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Good stuff. So, um, but yeah, you have been around a while. Not saying you're old, but you've certainly. How many years are we talking about since you? Twenty-one years this year in practice. Yeah, Incredible. twenty-one years, and it's gone by so quick so quick yeah. and um i mentioned before i'm sorry about my pure absence of knowledge of football um <laughs> but yeah you're very involved in birmingham city football club i can't even remember if it was a city or not yeah, yeah, yeah. Football club. for how yeah. many years that's over a decade birmingham city i've been with them for about 14 years now 14 years yeah. birmingham city then we've got um aston villa for, for the last four or five 
Um, but in between that, I've done like stuff for, for, for Sheffield United, Crystal Palace, players from, from Manchester and stuff. And then um, I've done, and I'm now just, just recently, we've just started um, with Everton. So just providing osteopathic services, providing an osteopathic input into, into their management, their elite management first team. And then the golf as well. Yeah. Golf, um, so I've been on the European Tour for, again, since 2008. So 2008 was my first European Tour event. Um, kind of really strangely got involved with golf. I was mainly heavily in athletics, mainly with, with sprints. Um, and then how that came about, I, um, I got asked to work at a, a sports medicine clinic in Litchfield. And, uh, and I went for an, in- well, I went to just have a look at it. And uh, and then while I was there, I kind of met a chap that was there and had a good long chat to him. We all had a uh, um, uh, cup of tea. Didn't even realise who he was. Just had an open chat about what I thought about elite sport, what I thought about you know where where the sport world is and this this that and therapy and S and C and conditioning and all that kind of stuff. And um, and and then he just said that you know what. This this could be this could be brilliant, like you know, for for, for something we could use on the European tour, and, and then kind of like kind of introduced himself, and he was the, the the chief medical officer for the European tour. So, so then he said that they were looking for an osteo, and you should I should apply. So I applied, went down there, had a chat with them, and showed showed my ideas of what I thought an elite program should look like, and, uh, and that was it. And then got on tour and have been there ever since. So now Challenge Tour, we have. Five, uh, sorry, we've got one, two, three, four. We've got four osteopaths. We've got a physio. We've got sports medicine doctor. We've got a nutritionist. We've got an SNC coach. We've got full um, an MDT kind of like sports medicine and health and well-being um, set up for Challenge Tour. So it really sets up the players really good before getting onto the main tour, European tour. Um, and it's osteo-led. It's osteopath-led. And I'm a massive advocate of osteopathy and and what it can do in sport, and, and a massive osteopath, massive. I've told you, we spoke earlier um, about you know manual therapy and hands-on and all that sort of stuff. And I'm a massive advocate for all of it. I think it's fantastic, and it's got a really good place to be used. In your twenty odd years of getting to where you've got now, of working with so many kind of elites and being in those thank circles, you, Fiona. <laughs> Fiona's <laughs> just said there if people listen to the podcast Fiona Higgs guest from last week has said Purus teaching on Mike Rice's movement therapy education elite trackside therapy day is excellent thanks Fiona thank good you. to see you in the house as well really enjoyed last week Fiona again thank you so much it was a great episode um, yeah do you do you ever kind of stop and think you said it's gone really quickly but do you think how the hell did I end up here sometimes how did I get to be with Team <laughs> GB when did that happen yeah, yeah I think you know I think I think there's, you know, I'm a massive believer in 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 kind of like, you know, you, you, you tend to follow you tend to follow the, the 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 flow of the river, isn't it? You tend to flow where things are going, and you know, most people, like most people, I like to do what I like to do, and so if I was doing a job or if I was working somewhere, I was like, you know, I'm not not in this, and I'm not getting the right sort of um, uh, fulfillment from this, then I wasn't involved. And so I really liked sport. I really, like, you know, really, really kind of got into sport. And right at the beginning, 2001, I thought, I think I saw my first kind of GB sprinters um, as a really fresh therapist. And so I, you know, I did not know what I was doing. And I was like, oh, you know, like, let's just try what I think I should be doing. And and, and it worked really well. And then I, I kind of got really more interested into it. And, and I just said that, you know, I should go down to the track and have a look at what these guys actually do. So... I took my time out, went down to the track at Birchfield and 
sat down and just watched and then spoke to some of the coaches and try to get an understanding of what they were looking for. <clears throat> and then thought to myself, well, how can I add to that? How can I get them to where they want to be with the skill set that I have? And, and, and that's how I kind of used my osteopathy. My, so what I do in terms of an osteopathic treatment is very different to what a traditional osteopath will do. I do use a lot of myofascial techniques. I do use a lot of deep tissue techniques. I do use a lot of MET. I do use a lot of, um, all of the adjuncts of manual therapy to get a tissue change that I'm looking for. Um, but I do it in an osteopathic context. So I will treat the whole body, not just the symptom. I will treat everything. Uh, and I'll, you know, put in ad, you know, parts of, uh, nutrition, parts of SNC. You know, I've done a lot of stuff with the UK SCA and have a, a decent understanding of strength and conditioning. Um, you know, I know what my limitations are. So, you know, I would be able to, you know, rehab someone to a certain extent. But if we're talking elite level, I would need one of my colleagues, one of the guys who, are elite level SNC coaches to take over and I'd quite happily hand over the athlete to them because I trust them. Fantastic. You know, and so, so I think we're getting involved in, in that and you just, you just move with it, don't you? And then somebody offers you saying, look, like if someone sees you from outside, it's actually your skill set is what we're looking for. Have you ever fancied doing this? And you just go and follow it and you do it. Does that take, I mean, are you naturally <laughs> quite a confident person when it comes to networking? You said, like, I just walked up and told him what I do. And have you got a natural confidence, yeah, I, like you say? I, I, I think, I think, I think that is definitely part of it. Like, I'm, I'm confident without an ego. So, so I let my hands do the talking. So I, I, I say, well, I'm an osteo and this is what I can do. And, and this is, you know, let me have a look at it. And then I treat the patient or I treat the athlete. And let the athlete talk talk to the coach and say, "Wow, this is how I feel," and then I let them kind of perceive and and, and get from it what they think that they're getting. Um, but I certainly don't shy away if it, if, it, if it's a room of physios and I walk in and I'm the only osteopath there. I don't shy away. No, we, we you know we've done the education, we've got the degree, we've got uh, an understanding and a skill set, you know. And, and certainly you can you can add to it. So you need to be very strong confident and good at your art um and and if i if i quote from some of the stuff i i, I mentor the lads that work for me the girls that work for me i, I mentor them and and, and I'm, I'm a massive massive believer in um um don't lie if you don't know say you don't know you know you're dealing with somebody who's who's injured who's vulnerable who is looking for a solution. If you do not know, there is no skin off your nose to say, actually, you know what? I don't know, but I do know somebody that might know. So I'm going to send you for a second opinion. Mm -hmm. So then in that way, you're doing the best you can for that patient. And guess what? If that parent person that you send them to actually finds a solution, you've done, a, you've done some learning. You're like, ah, okay, I'll look for that next time. Excellent. Great bit of advice. I'm going to ask you for two more in a second to so start thinking because that's going to be the question. Um, Becky Carroll says, yes, Pura with hands up. You've already got a double high five from Becky. So things are looking shining up. You thought you'd done everything and reached your, your, your limits, but look, you've now got Becky's double hand up. <laughs> Thanks, Becky. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm really interested because you mentioned that if you're the only osteo in a room for physios, has that happened before? Have you seen yeah. much kind of you know, yeah. doors closing your face potentially because other oh, questions going, who are you? No, or I don't think, I don't think from your head. I don't, no, no, no. I don't think I've had doors closed in my face. Um, I have, um, 
I've had situations where I've walked in and I'm the only osteo in a room of maybe 25 physios. Mm. And I've had the, oh, I'm an osteopath. And I've had a couple of them have a bit of a funny face and a bit of a sneer and a bit of a this and a bit of that. But this was many years ago. Mm. So we're talking 2001, 2002, mm. uh, when, you know, osteopaths were seen as like, you know, tree huggers, crystal wavers, mm. kind of like, you know, like on the real fringe of, of, of primary healthcare. Mm. Um, so, you know, and I was quite happy to, to, to take that sneer and stuff and just say, right, okay, guys, let's, let's, let's have a talk. Let's have a talk about what you guys do. Let's have a talk about what I do. And let's have a look at you would deal with something and how I would deal with, with something. Mm-hmm. And then if there's somebody who's willing to be a body, let's see who can do what to who. Right. And again, and it's confidence. It's confidence. You know, it's you like that easy. as a kid? Have you always had confidence? <laughs> yeah, 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 What's yeah, the yeah. secret? Because a lot of people aren't. You're saying things like, you know, you're the single one out. You're the kind of only person there who's an osteopath. And for a lot of sport, I say this because we've talked about this a lot on on the show with sports therapists. If you're in a room with physios, the worst things that's the worst. That's like a nightmare for sports therapists or sports massage therapists. No. They, they always think I'm not a physio. It, we always set it as like a pedestal, and it's there's already no. that imposter no. syndrome. But okay, 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 okay. Let me if, we, if we're going to go down this avenue, let me be very very clear. Right. Okay. Um, I employ a sports therapist at my clinic. I have massive respects for sports therapy because, you know, I've, I've, I've looked at the degree, I've seen what you learn and you learn more rehab work than an osteopath does. You learn more about sports nutrition and the way around working with sports people than osteopaths do. Okay, we do five years. We do a lot more orthopedics. We do a lot more kind of medically given stuff. But, you know, I know what I would use a sports therapist for because I have experience of sports therapy and I understand what they would do. So if I had a patient in, let's say, for example, and they had a grade 2C hamstring and I had done the work that I needed to do to get their back loose and their hip loose and, you know, all the kinematics of what I wanted loose, good. But then I needed somebody to rehab their, their hamstring. I would quite happily hand it over to a sports therapist, quite happily, and say, guys, can you, can you do like a six-week program with them, please? And, and, and I think that, I think if sports therapy is going to grow, then you need to take ownership of what your knowledge is and take ownership of what you learn and have some respect and kind of some, 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 some oomph for yourself. Mm-hmm. Like even if you walk, you walk into a room with physios, um, you know, all right, they train for three years, they go and they work in the hospitals. They do a lot more work in ICU, pediatrics, gynae. They do a lot more medically driven stuff. But you'd be surprised how many of them do a minimal sports-related stuff. Mm-hmm. You'd be surprised. A lot of them don't do it a lot. And it's all about choices. Some don't want to do it. Some want to work with geriatrics. Some want to work in, in peds. Some want, some want to work in neurology. You know, you, you, you've got a basic knowledge by doing your degree, which gives you the, 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 the right and, uh, uh, to, to have a voice. And you don't feel small or inconsiderate or or whatever or, or or beneath or less than anybody because of their profession i've met some really 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 stupid doctors you know i've met some really ignorant um, medical doctors like who you would think that wow you know you've done 10 years medical school you've done this you've done that you've done this you've done that but they just have no idea about msk stuff and are really egotistical about it as well. So they're not very nice. So I just do not converse with these people. <laughs> you know, you get, you get them in all walks of life and you get them in all professions, but to, to feel that you are 
unworthy or anything because you know you happen to be a sports therapist. No, don't do that. You've got skill. You've got very good skill. You know, and you've got a skill now that a lot of people are trying to question in terms of you know um, massage and therapy and hands-on and manipulation, all that sort of stuff. The, the amount of stuff that's going on online regarding oh, it needs to be evidence-based and we should only do stuff that's evidence-based and oh, there's no evidence base for it, and so it's all quackery and it's all in people's heads. If that's going to make you then start questioning what you do and your efficacy and, and, and whether you're doing stuff that's that's right and wrong, then take a step back and speak to some of your colleagues. Mm-hmm. Get some confidence with it. I am, like you asked before, are you a confident person? Yeah, I am a confident person. I, I um, um, yeah, I've always been a bit feisty. <laughs> 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 I've always been a bit feisty. Um, but I think that for my, for my, um, for my profession, for the work that I do, I just think I'm I'm honest. Mm. I'm uh, I have um, integrity, um, and I have um, I have a really big respect for other people within the profession. So I listen more than I speak, mm. um, and you know, and and I um, I don't, don't have an ego. I don't I don't walk around and say I hey I'm Johnny Big Balls I'm. I'm this, I'm that. No, like, I might work with some really big teams, and I might work with you know all that kind of stuff. But but I've got friends that are don't do any of that, and I'd still go to them for treatment because they're fantastic at what they do. Brilliant, some great points there, and it and it and it echoes things we've heard in the past. Um, and it, I think, it gives a lot of any any soft tissue therapist who finds themselves with imposter syndrome and kind of doubts and things. It gives them a good um, path to get on. And also the future of our profession as well. We had David Rose as well from Leicester University just saying, and he's going to be speaking at Therapy Expo. He tweeted, um, um, sports therapists stop pretending to be physios. It's like yeah, a totally you're not. different thing. And you're killing, the, you're killing <laughs> the, you don't even need to be, you know, think of what you want to do. I get so many students who are going on to sports therapy and they're like, oh, I don't know though. I think I need to be a physio. And it's like, it's a pretty clear decision. I mean, you go to the gym, you like sport, you want to work with athletes. You don't really want to work with anybody else apart from athletes. Why are you considering being a physio again? Because that's kind of like, well, not really. No, you've you've got the wrong end of the stick. You know? It's... Yeah, yeah. I think that's a problem with the ST, uh, with the sort of therapy community. Then, you mm-hmm. know, to, to instill that into your youth and instill that into the new people, the youth by people. I'm, I'm I'm not talking about young people. I'm just talking about people that come in and do the degree for a start, mm. um, and just just empowering them to understand that actually we are an autonomous profession. You know, we have a remit, a skill set. We have fundamental um, uh, rules and regulations that we abide by. Um, and we, we have a, a really good skill set that we can be used, Do you know? And like, you know, like to have a, 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 a buddy system where like, if you're unsure, you've got someone to talk to. I think one of the best things that I did was, was set up a clinic where there's, there's more people than me. Mm-hmm. You know, working on your own is really lonely, number one. But number two, it, it, you know, you, you can sometimes pick up bad habits and, and you need to be challenged. You need to be challenged so that you can actually question, well, okay, what am I doing? Like, you know, leaving my patient with a red hot lamp on for 20 minutes while I go outside and have a cup of tea and then come back and then turn them over and stretch them. Was that a good move? Mm-hmm. Do you know, did I do the best I could in that 20 minutes? Mm. Did I use that my time and their time and their money in the best way? Mm. do you know what i mean and, yeah and definitely these are all these are all clinical practice things these are all things to do with with practice and and stuff that i think that sports therapy needs to needs to push you need to you need to get them to, to start talking 
Definitely, yeah. Working in a multidisciplinary team, I was fortunate enough to go into that from years ago. There was a physio, and I remember starting off in the early days, kind of taking it, all my patients to the physio. Oh, but this is happening. Surely you're going to fix it. And the number of times you just said to me, saying, you're doing everything I would do. Stop yeah. sending me people. Okay, yeah. It's not an issue. Just trust in it. Do your special tests, rule out the red flags, and then proceed as you would normally do. Stop yeah. sending me. And it's only through that that eventually you stop sending. And then you, you, know, you stop sending them to other people and i had osteopaths there as well and podiatrists and but yeah like you say people working by themselves which a lot of these people are um with a room they don't have that they're just left by themselves and feel the weight of the weight of the world on their shoulders yeah and then they get they get bloody social media as well they get which is which is which is the twitter fights and all that sort of stuff to read and all the stuff that we we see about people questioning all aspects of therapy like mm-hmm. you know, like now, now it's like, oh, you know, actually, don't do anything. Just give people exercise. Yeah, I'm like, well, yeah. that, but that's what an SSC coach does. That's what my that's what I would send my patient to. Once I think I've got them to a place where I think that they're happy to load their tissue. Great stuff. All right, people, don't forget if you're listening on YouTube or you are in the Sports Therapy Association Facebook page, feel free to ask questions. We've got a comment here from. Pardon me for my pronunciation. It's not very good, but I'm going to say Navinu Mataru, maybe. And watching this from Africa, what a gem of a guy. What a fab osteopath he is. So <laughs> humble and honest. Not anymore. He's not inspiring <laughs> to hear him. Thanks, Nav. I honestly, I don't know Nav at all. Don't know. I don't know you. Oh, thank you so much. That's such a nice comment. <laughs> you tell Nav, me that you know Nav. <laughs> I know Nav. Nav is a fantastic so, human as well. She runs uh, the Divinity Foundation in Kenya. Okay. Which is a which is a, a not profit for profit charity that takes care of um, homeless girls and okay. um, girls that have been abused with um, FGM. She's also an osteopath and has a background in soft tissue, um, so she does work out in Kenya and and and, and she must be I've seen my post on Instagram or something like that. And so she's she's come up and that's amazing because in Kenya it must be late now. Thanks. It must thanks. be. Yeah, I'm thinking that. Yeah. Thanks, yeah. Well, thanks Nav. So if any, thanks, any sports therapist, I'm going to, I'm going to put this out there now. If any sports therapist ever want to go to Kenya to um, what Vinu does, she puts on medical camps where they go out into the bush and they spend a few days out there doing basic medical um, testing and basic medical examinations and treatment on um the tribes that are out there in, in kenya so like you know you've got the Maasai, you've got other tribes um she takes a whole host of like doctors osteos um but i'm sure if anybody from the sports therapy session wanted to get involved with that and get out there and do a bit of charity work and, and you know what it's really good learning as well um you can do that by contacting her on um it probably would be under the divinity foundation so yeah just look for her Fantastic. Well, thanks for joining us again, Nav. And um, thank you. I'm probably going to kind of trap you now and try and get you as a guest on the show. Now you've shown your face, so watch out. I'm going <laughs> to be on your case now. But no, it sounds amazing. Um, and as someone who's been, I was in Nairobi, and it was amazing, and dismissed so many preconceptions I had about Africa, thanks to Live Aid and stuff, and all yeah. kind of songs. Yeah, amazing yeah, yeah. place. It's a hidden. It's hidden. Oh. It's all done on purpose. Like, we're, oh, we're really poor, and it's really, it's really, really bad. Don't come to Africa. It's done on purpose so that everybody yeah. else can invest there. That is an amazing place. Um, so thanks, Nav. Yeah, good to see you. Um, uh, what else we got here? I'm just going to make sure I miss people here. Um, Seamus, thanks for joining us from Ireland as well. Um, Benjamin Mace, crazy. I haven't got a new camera, mate. It's just I put a bit of makeup on. You said you thought I should try that makeup you sent me in the post. That's all I've got. A bit of eyeliner and foundation that you sent me. So thanks, Benjamin, for that. It seems to be working. Um, other people celebrating Great Point, Great Point Pura, Brian Huxley. 
Okay, let's go to some questions, if that's all right with you. So Daniel Gerber, I haven't read this yet, but I know Daniel's going to ask some great questions. At the Commonwealth Games in Glasgow, physio, sports therapists and masseurs were wanted. No place for osteos or chiros. I should tell you that Daniel is a no osteopath at the moment for various reasons. Is um, it what? He's a no osteo. He was an osteopath. Okay. Um, but he's one of these osteopaths who's kind of moved away because he felt that he wasn't being represented by the um, kind of osteopath um, regulatory people and wanted to kind of right. go and do the same thing, which is quite similar. You know, Chris Kitson? Probably know Chris, don't you? you know, Chris works with Mike quite a lot. He works down at um, Movement Therapy in Harborn as well. Okay. Sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Think, uh, uh, he's osteopath Rick. as well. Right, okay. Um, yeah, there's a few osteopaths we've talked to on the show who are like just we're talking off air about regulation. They felt that they felt that being regulated didn't help them. They're paying a lot of money, and that the organisation at the top was not actually representing them in various things. But anyway, I digress. And Daniel, I'll probably so, give no, no, no. Okay, okay. Let me catch that point. Let me catch. That yeah. Point. I think I think that I think that's across the board in all medical professions. I speak mm. to a doctor about the GMC; he'll say the same thing. Speak to a, de- a dentist about the GDC; they say mm. the same thing. I'll say the same thing about the GOSC. Like we get emails regularly from them telling them about what they're doing in terms of regulation. But we get nothing else, and and what they're yeah. there for, what they are there for, is to protect the public. So they're there in case one of us does something wrong, the public can go to them to then have a go at us. That's yeah, yeah. in a nutshell what it is. I think I spoke to Daniel once, you know, Scottish guy. Mm. I, think uh, I don't think he's actually Scottish. He lives there, but I'm not sure. All right, okay, okay, yeah. Um, and I think that I think uh, there's a point that I've got to make. At the Commonwealth Games mm. in Glasgow, physio, sports therapists, and masters were wanted. So that. When you go to somewhere like the Commonwealth Games, the commies, internationals, all that kind of stuff, most of the medical uh, people that are uh, provided there are provided by the EIS, so the English Institute of Sport. And the EIS have a remit in terms of like what they will provide. And they they notoriously are very much physio, doctor, sports master kind of led. They don't have chiros and osteos. Mm. Um, they... They do have polyclinics at these places. So the Commonwealth Games will have had a polyclinic. The Commonwealth Games in Birmingham next year will have a polyclinic. Mm-hmm. And you just need to keep an eye out when these polyclinics are advertising for that. Um, yeah, I thought so. I thought we had spoken. Um, I think you just have to wait for these things to be advertised. And then when they're advertised, just put your application in. Now, I know previously that like I, how I've been involved is that I've worked with a sport within the games. So I worked with British athletics. So I was employed by British athletics. I was taken to the games by British athletics, not by the Olympic committee. They're separate entities. So you could work for British cycling and go to the Olympics as the British cycling osteo or the British cycling sports therapist. Um, but you know, when you get out there, there's also a polyclinic which is open to everybody else in the world. Everybody else is, is a, you know, you can go there. Like when I went to the Olympics, um, I was one of the only osteos there. There were other osteos in the polyclinic. Um, there was the guy from um, the Osteopathic Sports Association. I can't remember his name now. Why have I lost his name for a second? Nice chap. He was there representing osteos within the polyclinic and he was employed by the Olympic Committee. Now, that's not an employment. You're going to do that for free. You do that um, off your own back um, and you'll probably get a T-shirt out of it. Whereas I went as part of a medical team for a sport. So I, w- I had my own contract with them. I was employed by them. I was paid by them. So that's why, you know, when I said that I kind of connected with athletics, mm-hmm. you know, I went to the track. I connected with the coaches because I had an interest in it. I wanted to know how these humans move at this speed. How, how do they get that fast and not break? 
Mm. And and through those conversations, I started seeing a lot of athletes, and then I got in touch with coaches, and then coaches got in touch with club managers, and and obviously GB managers, and said, "Hey, look, my team, my sprinters work with this therapist. We need him involved on the on the program." The doctors then phoned me and said, "Hi, you know, we don't normally work with osteos, but um, we've had we've heard good things. Do you want to come in and have a chat to us?" And then I went in, and there were like six physios there, two doctors, and me. And like, so what can an osteo do that? Uh, that's it, Simon Milton. Simeon Thanks, Milton. Tim. Thanks, Tim. Yeah. He's also spent time in Tokyo. Tim, you're going to be coming here as well. I don't think you've got away without coming and speaking to us. So we'll be yeah. catching so, you soon. So, you know, and, and, you know, so what can you offer us and what can you do that, that you know, we don't already do? Because obviously physios do post-grad manipulation and they saw at the time was osteopathy just manipulation. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a nice chat, the warm-up track in Tokyo. Oh, Brilliant. Yes, I remember you now. There I see you the go. Sorted. We I have my patients, yeah. All right, fantastic, Tim. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so, you know, like the, um, you know, having the chats with these guys and they say, well, actually, this is what I can do. This is what I offer. But I tell you what, instead of telling you what I offer, how about you watch me treat? Mm. Uh, and then maybe if you want, one of you want, how about one of you have a treatment? And then you can see what I do. You can feel what I do. You know, and I think one of that's one of the best ways of kind of getting involved, and that's what happened with athletics, and that's and that's it just snowballed. You know, and now I'm, I'm with it. I'm I'm still the honorary VP of Birchwood Harriers for the last ten years. I've been the honorary vice president of Birchwood mm-hmm. Harriers Athletics Club, mm-hmm. and the clinic provides treatment for all their juniors. Um, so all my juniors that work for me um, do the work with the junior athletes, so they learn with the athlete, they grow with the athlete. So this year. We had one of our 200 meter sprinters, GB girl, who went to the Olympics, did really, really well. Um, that was seven years worth of work that Amo had done with her as her primary therapist. You know, any injury, any nickel, he dealt with her from Achilles to hamstring to back to shoulder. He did it a lot, everything. Mm-hmm. You know, and then she went off to the Olympics and I was there anyway. So he gave me a handover. I kept an eye on her. I saw her a couple of times over there, kept an eye on her, and that was it. So it's like it's 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 a journey you go on with your athletes, and I think I think that's what I like the most is the journey, the story. I like the kind of being part of that. You know, you're never going to be the guy on the podium, right? So there's another thing that people think that you're involved in elite sport. Oh wow, it's amazing you work with these massive these big guys. Oh my god, you got to see you know you got to see like Usain Bolt and you're working with like Mo Farah and all this sort of stuff. Mm. You're never on the podium. Mm. You rarely will see them race. You'll be at the warm up track, as Tim just said. You'll be at the warm-up track. You'll be watching on a screen. Yeah, you'll be cold. You'll be sweaty. Um, you'll be tired. But if they win a medal, you'll cry because you know the, what the work that they'll have done to get there. And you feel that little bit that you did might have actually made a difference. Mm. So you do it for the love of it. You know, and that's, and that's, I still have that buzz. I still have that buzz now. I mean, I've, I've just finished with athletics now. Um, so I'm just doing like an external consultant role now. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's, it, you know, I still see, I still see sprinters. I'm seeing a couple tomorrow. Um, I still see all, you know, the throwers, I still see the jumpers and it's just because you have a, an appreciation and a love for that, that sport that you do, mm-hmm. you know? Beautiful. Right. Let's, um, so we advertise this about working with elites. One of the thing I want to kind of, touch point if that's all right with you is from your time working with elites um, mm-hmm. not everyone's going to get there and some people don't even want to get there yeah what are some kind of take-home messages 
that working with elites has helped you in terms of advice given to athlete uh, people working with more recreational athletes and things has working with the elites changed how you work with john or jay normal yeah, everyday person? absolutely and in what absolutely. ways um so so you know when you're working with elite athletes don't you, you always work in a group so you work in a team they have a team they'll have a coach they'll have a nutritionist they'll have an snc coach they'll have a biomechanist they'll have a physio they'll have a doctor so you have a really good room in which you can throw your opinions and you know it is scrutinized and challenged and then you all come to a really good agreement and i think that's a really really good space to be in it's good to be challenged it's good to say well actually you know what i want to go in there and i want to release a hamstring and i want to do this and i want to do that um and so on so actually well why don't we try doing it this way mm-hmm. and it's always good to be challenged um so in elite you have that and you're dealing with also people that um i think most people would try to 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 push that you know they're genetically better or they have certain genetic traits that make them best and yeah there is a little bit of that but they are just animals in the gym they have this mindset that is unbelievable to work with mm-hmm. um and what you probably take from that is that when you went work with like general day-to-day athletes you know i always i give the analogy earlier to you um in terms of like you know like aiming for the for the low hanging fruits right so you look at what they're doing you look at um their training you look at their recoveries you look at what their plans are you look at what they've been doing and then you say well actually what could you have done better let's go for those things that are easily attainable first so do you foam roll every day do you drink water every day do you eat the right sort of protein do you do you do any sort of ssc do you do some some strength loading do you do like max rep stuff do you do the kind of stuff that would test your tissue in the way that you need to be tested mm. and if they're saying no to all of this and yet they're looking at getting the hyperbaric chamber and they're mm. looking at getting some bloods done and then going for a dexa and all that sort of stuff mm. you have to just hit them around the head and say well actually hold on let's stop you there and let's bring you back down first take this one here which is basically I'd like you to have a hour sleep a day there we go mm. first thing get off the playstation and have a hour sleep a day there's your first thing for about recovery then right now let's talk about hydration and why you've got this Achilles issue mm. right so you you go for the low hanging fruits first Brilliant. then you put your, your your interventions in so you put your hands on i like hands on hands on for me is is both treatment and diagnostic so i like to examine stuff because it gives me a feel for what the tissue is like you know what does this tissue feel like does this you know is the, is is there compliance in it does it move well is there rage in this joint you know why could why could this glute be hurting is it because the hip doesn't work well um or is it because they they've overloaded their back because they did too many overhead presses or you know there's so many things that could be done in answers that it gives you some more um information to answer that question mm-hmm. um and so i love hands on for that and obviously i'm i'm a very big advocate for hands on and performance therapy and hands on therapy and manual therapy i think it's a brilliant technique and i think it you know it's 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 always going to be there it's always going to be there we still don't know and people would argue that we don't know there there's no evidence for it and you know this this that and all that sort of stuff and, and you know i'm not an academic and i'll let the academics do what the academics do and i will be guided by what they do and what they see um but you know i'll also be guided by what my athlete says and if my athlete comes back and says you know poor yesterday you know when you went through my back and you know we did some stretching you manipulated well i got this morning there was no pain and I actually did a run this morning and there was nothing there and i felt really really good for it do i know the mechanisms by what i did well i have this thought in my head of potentially what i did 
And does that coincide with the evidence? Yeah, maybe, maybe not. But the next time the athlete wants me to do that again, the day before a race, am I then going to challenge them and say, well, actually, the evidence says, mm. no, I'm not. Because you're in elite sport, you don't do that. You you do what's, what, what, what your skill set is. Right. There's a few things there. I want to go back to when you first said the, yeah, working with other individuals, you get to challenge yourself. You get to talk through cases with other professionals. You get used to knowing maybe where your boundaries are and handing things over to other people. What advice then? I mean, you've got a, a multidisciplinary clinic in Edgebaston. Um, so how could therapists who maybe are working by themselves create that? like maybe have that referral system with other individuals who live in their same kind of town. How could they do that? What advice would you give them to recreate that benefit of being challenged? That's a good answer. Yeah. Talk like phone, phone up. If you get a patient that you can't fix and you, you're like, you know what? I don't know what's going on here. Either ring another ST in the, in the town. I'd start Mm -hmm. with my first, my own profession first Mm -hmm. Uh, or ring a physio or ring the osteo or ring an SNC coach and say, um, hi, this is who I am. I, I, you know, I, this is what I've done, and I want to refer this patient somewhere where they could get a second opinion and a little bit more uh, information, so that maybe you know it could guide me on what I could be doing right, correct. Any good practitioner in their right mind, any doctor will be so pleased to hear that. Mm. That actually, this person is being critical of their work. They're being um, uh, open and honest. And they've got the, the best intentions of the patient at heart. Mm. And that is it. I don't care if it's a physio, I don't care if it's a chiro, I don't care. I don't care what the name of the profession is. If you've got a skill set and I can't do what you do and I need a, an answer from, from this patient, guess what I'm sending it to you. What about when you say talk, does that include starting a post on social media and, and getting help that way? Or yeah, that's I mean, what... Th- that's what I use it for. Like, you yeah. know, if, I need, if I've got a patient that texts me from Southampton and says, hey, I want to come and have a session, the first thing I say, I've got people that have texted me from, where's the furthest, like Portugal, Israel, mm-hmm. um, to say, hey, I've seen a video you did on, on YouTube, oh, sorry, on, on Instagram, practice someone's neck, I want to have a session. I'm like, well, <laughs> find someone in your own area. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's no need to come and see me. You don't have to fly so far and do all the expense. Find someone in your own area. And if you don't get a good experience, then come back to me and then I'll challenge that person that you went to see. Mm-hmm. And say, well, what did you do that didn't work on this patient? And by yeah. challenge, that it's not a fight, right? I'm, yeah. I'm there. Like ultimately, your patient, uh, your patient care, your patient management and handling is primary. It's number one. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? That they've come to you for help, so so you are there to help them. So you don't like you know there, there are obviously there's bad eggs in every profession, right? There's guys mm-hmm. out there that every therapist knows of this therapist or this therapist that sees their patient 25 times, sells them 20 sessions for the price, 25 sessions for the price of 20, mm-hmm. and they go in there for half an hour and they get DP put on them and and they get, I don't know, some magical bomb. And then they say, right, we'll see you in two days. And then they come back again and they're paying 30 pound a session for that, right? Mm-hmm. There's a lot of stories of people like that. And our job, and I, I really do feel this is this is me personally as well. It's my it's my job to 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 call it out if it is bad, and I think that's why certain social media personalities come so vocal about bad practice like that and end up calling out everything within the therapy. And I think it's just to, like I said, to challenge and create dialogue and an open, honest discussion. If you're a, an osteo 
or a physio or a chiro who doesn't like to manipulate C-spines, don't do it. Don't do it. But if somebody else chooses to do it, then you want if you want to argue and say that they're being um, going against evidence and being dangerous as practitioners, I think that's a bit of a big jump. Mm-hmm. Do you know, I think that's a really big jump here. So, you know, we could argue about evidence all day long. Mm-hmm. I mean, we try, I mean, the STA since COVID, we've talked about this a few times, but COVID, one of the good things we've seen out of COVID, along with all the tragedy and misfortune is therapists are talking to each other more. Mm-hmm. We chatted about this because therapists want to know about, you know, what they're supposed to be wearing. Are they allowed to do this yet? How you, you know, what you're using to do this and that. So it's, it's allowed patient, uh, therapists to not see the person down the road as the competition, but see them as somebody who could advise them. And that's, yeah. and hopefully we'll keep that now as the virus becomes less on everyone's mind, people will still keep talking. So, but there is still a danger, isn't there? Particularly, I think in sports massage therapy, sports therapy, of just putting it on Facebook or in general, because you do get so many people who just shout out, well, this worked for me and it's all very anecdotal. And I understand what you're saying about don't let the evidence kind of close your mind to everything. But particularly in our profession, we have got to be careful because a lot of therapists just don't even think about critically analyzing what they've done or whether that mechanism of action can possibly happen or whether they have to kind of think it through a little bit. So, but in the SDF, I mean, I mean, I mean, sorry, That's so to, so to jump in, I think, I think that those people then need to um, first ask themselves, um, are they qualified to read research and go through and critically analyze it? Because if you're not, then you need to learn how to do that. Mm-hmm. Because if you're going to take, I made the big mistake of reading the conclusion of a study once and quoting that in an argument. And I quoted it to an argument with, with a really good friend of mine, Paula, Paula Deacon, who's a, mm-hmm. a band eight physio, like runs mm-hmm. an NHS department. And I quoted the, the, the conclusion and I was like, boom. And then she basically quoted me some of the findings from within the study and said, actually it was, the study was pretty crap poor and like, you shouldn't be quoting yeah. that. And I felt like this small, but I was like, you know what? Like we had a big hug and a laugh and a joke about it after, but it was my day for education that day. It was like, wow, you know, she's right. I should have actually read the whole paper and made my decision up about that paper. And if I wasn't sure about the statistics, learn about that. But I'm not an academic. Mm-hmm. I, I tend to, to, to drift towards where the evidence suggests things work for. Mm-hmm. There's lots of evidence out there now that says manipulation doesn't work, but the evidence isn't like, I could argue that the evidence isn't very strong and that the, the, the sample sizes are very small. And there's so many holes within the research that I could pinpoint to say, well, actually, no, it's not, no, it's not, no, it's not, no, it's not. I could do that nitpick and make it say what I want it to say. Mm. But what I choose to do instead is, well, oh, okay. So that's saying that it doesn't affect that. So maybe there's something that I'm doing that could be, that, that, that could be affecting it. What is it that I do? that makes the patient better, but somebody in another clinic does the same technique and it didn't work on them. Mm-hmm. Does it change what I do as an osteopath? Mm, not massively. I'm much more into the SNC, 100% more into SNC now. Every patient that walks in there, we do a strength assessment on them. Um, and we definitely, um, we, we definitely manifest that strength goes hand in hand with you getting you out of pain and getting you better. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's so many different nuances to strength and power and dynamics that that, that come with that. So, so we we we, are, we have added that into the clinic. We've added that into 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 the way that we manage people with disc injuries specifically. 
um, taking away the, the apprehension of them lifting weights and doing stuff and say, well, actually, no, no, you're just designed for it. We need you doing it. You don't need me to crack your disc back into place because we don't do that. Mm-hmm. Right. So we, you know, we do, we do have language and we do use those kind of things, but I wouldn't let all of the, the noise that's on social media. Uh, one of my mates actually said it the best way. I'm a treater, not a tweeter. It's nice. I like that. I'm yeah, a treat. Yeah. I'm not a tweeter. And I'm the same. I'm I'm on social media and most of my social media stuff's funny stories about me running around Tokyo with music on and stuff like that. I'm not a big <laughs> I'm not a big I'm not a big social media guy. I've been told off by my by my by my media people and, and mm. by my internet guys that I should be posting a bit more. But I'm treating not a tweeter, I like it. I'm Good a treater, not a tweeter. <laughs> Right. Um, the second thing, or, or maybe the third thing you said, yeah, looking at the low hanging fruit, that's something which you've understood and where, yeah, when you're advising, um, recreational athletes and that, um, yeah, look at the low hanging fruit. That's a real good one. We talked off air on that. Why is it that people naturally look at the top of the tree? You said something, you said many um, things very elegant. I think, I think people want to be the best that they want to be, right? And they look at like the Mulfaras and they look at all of these guys and they go, wow, what are these guys doing? Oh, I need to do that and then I'll get better. No, you need to train like for five years like like they did before those posts that they put up to show you what they're doing now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, most people forget. These elite athletes didn't happen overnight. Mm. You train for four years to do an Olympics. Mm. You do a four-year training cycle. A really good analogy I give to footballers that I work with, Premier League footballers where they're talking about commitment and all this sort of stuff. Mm. I'm like, lads, you know, and I've got utmost respect for Premier League football because a lot of people kind of poo-poo it with the amount of money that's involved and all that sort of stuff. But these guys work really hard. They train really hard. They, they put themselves on the line a lot. But how I come in there is that, well, I've got, I've got young athletes that will train six days a week for four years with maybe a week off a year to run for 10 seconds. Mm. You know, and when you put it into context, you dedicate four years of your life for a 10 second race. That level of commitment, most people aren't ready to put in. Mm-hmm. And that's what elite is. Elite yeah. is leaving home, leaving your friends, going to another country, living in a crappy little flat where you've just got a bed, a table and a chair and a lamp, earning £12,000 a year, just about scraping by so that you can then race an Olympics in four years. That's elite. And training like every single day. Everything's about training. Your life is around training. So when people come in and then talk to me about, oh, you know what? I want to I wanna do this and I want to do that. And I, wanna, I want these trainers and I want that. I'm like, let's talk about food. Let's talk let's about, talk about fruit. It's brilliant. Let's talk about yeah. food. Let's talk about fruit. Let's talk about food. Let's talk about training. Let's talk about, you know, when was the last time you did a recovery session? Do you know? So it's about that. It's about education more, 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 more time. Um, and then like, you know, treating them and stuff like that. You can tell the difference between an elite athlete. When you treat them, you can tell the difference. Mm-hmm. If you've ever, ever treated an elite level athlete, like a top 10 in the world, when you treat them, you know, you can feel it. Mm-hmm. You feel the quality of the tissue. You feel the power from them. You feel the strength from them. You, you just, you just, you just feel that this person's made for what they're, they're, they're actually doing. You know, great stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Right, question here from Becky. Uh, where are we? Five two. Okay, Becky, great question. Here we go. I'm going to read this out for people listening to the podcast. Becky Carroll asks, have you managed the balance of doing what's right by the individual and their injury whilst responding to the demands 
um, of the coach slash event. The moles are doing what's right. right by the individual versus what is expected from the sports coaching team, which is something I think a lot of pitch side physios or sports therapists kind of find themselves in that position. Yeah, for me, mm. health is primary. That's it. Health is primary. If what you're doing, if what the coach is doing is threatening their health or threatening their injury or threatening their tissue or their body, I call it out and I stop it. Because bottom line is prevention is better than cure, isn't it? Mm -hmm. If I said to you, you know what, you need to take a week off and let this calm down a little bit and we need to do this and this and this and this and your coach is going to have to adapt the program for a, for a week, but then we'll bring you back and you'll be able to compete competitively. All the other option is, is that you force the session and, you know, you split, you split the soleus, you split the calf, you split the hamstring. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, we've got six weeks where we're trying to, to get you back together again. It's always, it's always, it's always the worst that way. So, so in your you, experience with the elites, hmm. is it a thing where once you get to the elites that the actual coach and they will listen to you saying, look, it's not, I know you want to win this match. You think you're going to lose it with this guy comes off, but that's the most sensible thing to do. Does that happen more easily than the middle clubs or the local clubs where they yeah. don't do <clears throat> I think, I think, I think, I think it all happens in different sports as well. I think football is, is still very much about the performance. So mm. they have access to, to things that they can do with the players that, that will get them to play for 15. That's why players suddenly, they're bought on for like, oh, he was born for five minutes. Yeah, yeah. Do you know, and that's the reason why that player is usually carrying an injury, but they know they can load it for five minutes without risking him. Absolutely. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. Whereas when we're dealing with athletics, dude, you're dealing with you know people that move at eleven meters a second. There is no, there's no second chance. You yeah, know, yeah. You, you know, you, you you're dealing with people that will pull a tendon off the bone. Mm. They'll produce so much power, they'll break their back, they'll fracture their spine. So you're dealing with like serious individuals here. So I would much rather if they're showing signs of stress uh, in any tissue, I'd say actually, coach, not today, pull it. And good Has that caused listen. any kind of head to heads with anybody in particular? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 No names. No names. You just you just say, well, the, the the decisions with you. Like the medical, we have said this, yeah. and we think that that it's not right for you to do this. But the decisions with the athlete, isn't it? It's an individual, isn't it? The athlete says, no, no, I'll take the risk. I'll do it myself. And if you get it wrong and they survive the session and they're absolutely fine, fantastic. That's great. I've got no ego when it comes to someone's health. I've got absolutely no ego. And I don't mind being wrong. Doesn't bother me in the slightest. Doesn't change my. Uh, doesn't belittle me. Doesn't change my personality. Doesn't make me feel any less human or any, any less elite than I think I am. Nope. Doesn't bother. I don't mind being wrong. So I think that's the biggest part about working in elite sport is the best people, the best people that I've worked with, are the ones that have the most relaxed and egoless personalities. Very cool. Okay, last question from M. Turner. You've stimulated M. So I'm sorry that you work alone, M. But um, she says, I'm right in the middle of trying to find um, an osteopath to refer to locally, but really struggling because I haven't had the experience um, with one personally. The stress involved with wanting to get referral just right is horrible. It's tricky being a loner. So if there are sports therapists or massage therapists out there who want to kind of network and increase their um, people they can refer to how again you're just gonna say talk on you so, so I, I what i would do is i would i would again i'd go out onto twitter and i'd go out onto onto those sorts of social platforms and just say hey i'm looking i'm looking for an osteopath that works specifically in this sort of field with this sort of patient mm. um that could help with the care that i'm trying to give this patient um and see what they see what they do like you know and i think that daniel would come back in here and say well actually the general hospital council should be the people that should be able to refer that and do that and promote that for us but 
they wouldn't say that. They'd say that, that their role isn't that. The British Osteopathic Association would probably say, yeah, we would do that. Mm. Um, and it's that's our fault, to be fair, uh, that you can work with and hasn't understood what's being done and doesn't believe in magic. Daniel's replied, yeah, finding an osteopath you can work with and has an understanding of what's being done doesn't believe in magic. He's quite cynical. Is there still much differentiation? in? in you mentioned like you're not traditionally osteopath. There's still quite a lot of traditional osteopaths around. You know, yeah, Maybe I can you the image of an osteopath the same in chiropractic? Or? You know, you know I, 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 I have osteopaths around me every day. And, and I think the osteopaths I have around me are of a certain ilk. Um, there are, you know, there are, I've been involved in certain osteopathic groups where you know, Ashpats talk about, you know, kind of like energy systems and all that sort of stuff. And I have respect for it. I have, mm. um, you know, uh, an understanding of it and, and maybe how you choose to work. And these people are still effective. You know, they're still helping patients out there. They're still getting people better from pain and stuff like that. Mm. Um, and, you know, that again, that's allowed. That's They're allowed to do that. If the patient feels that they're not getting what they want to get from this patient. So if the patient mm. feels that they're not getting um, anywhere in terms of fitness and stuff, then they, they, they can call it out themselves. Going back to what the, 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 the lady that you, that you brought on earlier was asking, yeah. I think that, that's a great way of doing it, is put it onto socials and, and then just see what people say and the, or just, just you know, find out where you are and then just put it out there and say, hey, I'm looking for a good osteopath that works in X in this area and, and let the world come back to you and say, yeah, this is the kind of person you, you, know, you want to work with. And if yeah. you send it to the osteopath, uh, I'm writing them up. Okay. That's yeah. Tertius them again. Just hold it up. Okay. Yeah, so talking, but again, it boils down to what we started. It's having the confidence, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And, just, and, and yeah. don't don't struggle. You know, like, like you know, you know, you said yeah, I haven't had experience with referring and doing that sort of stuff. Again, you're a level playing field. Then, right? Don't see yourself. Oh, I'm a sports therapist, and I have to talk up to anyone. No, you don't. You're a sports mm-hmm. therapist with really good education, really good understanding. And all right, your experience might not be as great as someone that's worked in sport for 20 years, but that's no reason for you then to feel that Oops, I need to do it in a certain way. No, you just write a formal, hey, this is what I'm looking for. And, you know, I think I need help with this. Is there anybody out there that could do that for me? Mm-hmm. You know, you're growing yourself every single day. Every single day you are growing yourself and like a lot of this self-perception in terms of therapy and therapists. And mm. I've seen a lot of therapists actually stop working as therapists, just like Daniel has, has, has talked mm. about stopping us up. I've seen that happen quite a bit. Um, and, you know, like, I've, and I'll say the same to them as I say to everybody else, that if social media is affecting the way that you are feeling about yourself and feeling the way that you want to practice, get off social media. Mm. Get off social media speak to colleagues, speak to friends and get your mojo back because you did the degree for a reason. And if you still believe in it and you still believe in your skill and you just need a bit of a refresher, get back into it. Because if your intentions are pure and you're very good at what you do, then that'd be a real shame that you you didn't use that skill to help people. Mm. I hope that helps him. I'm interested actually, if we just about got time, what is it that um, stresses you out most of all? Is it the way you're going to come across or is it that you're worried getting a um, a therapist who you're not going to be able to work with? Or what is it that gives you the most kind of nightmares? And I'm interested to hear what your replies to that. In the meantime, um, there's some comments here. Yeah, Fiona, um, Dr. Fiona Higgs has said with your point about uh, learning to read a research paper properly. Scientific literacy is like any other literacy. Training can help, but it takes a good bit of reading to get good at critical um, analysis. Yeah, um, 100%. Cool. Um, 
and that M has come back with do do do. That only works for a big platform to start with. If I tweet, any three people will see it. <laughs> <laughs> then, then, then do this, M. Then do this. Write the tweet, and then get the STA's Twitter account to then ask the question for you. There we go. It's a good one. Yeah, right. And I'll do it as well, and, then. And 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 actually, if you're looking for an osteopath, put the tweet out there, tag me in it. I'll retweet it, and I'll say, right, any osteo in this area that's good at this, contact M. And if Emma has a bad experience with you and you end up being a crystal waver, I'm coming to <laughs> Crystal waver. There you go, Em. You've got the forces with you now. You've got the poo on your side. <laughs> Can't go wrong. Is why you're good, <laughs> good now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But this is what we're there for, right? So, like, she has a problem and, we, you know, we've got the abilities to help with that in any way, show, or form. Why would you not do it? Exactly. Very nice. Because at the end of the day, you've got a patient that may be in pain or discomfort or someone that needs help. You know, that's ultimately what we became therapists for, right? I think we need a social kind of media group hug now, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> computer. Mate, social media is toxic. <laughs> I honestly, like, it's just, it's, it's, I went through a phase about three years ago where I just believed everything that was coming out and I was thinking, shit, I mean, oh, shall I just stop doing nips and shall I stop mm. using needles and shall I stop, uh, shall I stop doing this? And like, you know, really, really started to affect me. And, and I was like, no, hold on, hold on. No, 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 stop. And then I had a big, CPD meeting with my guys and my team and we all kind of unanimously kind of said well actually no let's let's have a, a big meet with other osteos and other physios and stuff and and it was really um, um, eye-opening and refreshing to see the the disparity between people and what they thought mm -hmm. so like we, we talk about I talk about research right so I talk about evidence-based practice right so, so, so effectively evidence-based practice should, should basically encourage you to go down that route and kind of guide you to the way that you should be working. Evidence-based practice is not that, okay, this technique doesn't work, right? Mm -hmm. So you don't use it. That's not, that's not how, uh, exactly how your, 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 your friend there that came up, the doctor that came up and said about um, uh, literary uh, research and stuff like that. It's mm -hmm. not based like that. We, we all exist in this gray area. So on, let's say, imagine on this side, you've got evidence-based work, right? Mm. That's this technique works on every single patient in every single situation. If mm. everything that did that was in this circle and we were only allowed to do this, and on this side is a circle where you've got all the other stuff that we have absolutely no evidence for and it would be poo-pooed by every scientist and all that sort of stuff, right? And you chose where you wanted to sit I think nearly every therapist on the planet would say, actually, I sit right in the middle. Mm. I sit right here because there's not every single technique. It doesn't work on everyone. Mm. There's not one that like you think sometimes actually maybe, you know, like those ones, like I said, where you sometimes you just hold the joint in the right place for a few seconds and you just wait for a, a kind of a, a gentle release to happen. And then the patient says, actually, yeah, that feels a little bit better. That does. And you think to yourself, oh my God, what did I do? I, I have no idea what I just did. Right. It happens to all of us. It happens to everyone. And we exist in this plane where, where we're using the evidence and we're looking at the, the, the academics and we're, we're looking them for, for some guidance and some kind of knowledge. Um, but we're not, we're not saying that, well, we're only going to do that. Because if I went to a doctor or a surgeon and said, hey, doc, um, I, you're only allowed to do that procedure on your patient's surgically that works in every single case to every single patient how many operations do you think that surgeon's going to do mm. zero 
because yeah, it doesn't exactly. work like that. Because you know, there's the argument N is always one and all the rest of it, and there's all you know, all that sort of stuff. But I, I truly believe that like you know, like it should guide you and should give you some some knowledge and you should be able to discuss it openly and challenge and all that sort of stuff. But it shouldn't like completely stop. I think massage works. That's why mm-hmm. I use it. I think manipulation works, so I use it. Do I still know how it works? Not no. Am I interested in how it does? Yeah, bloody hell, I would. I would love to know how it works. Mm. Um, but am I an academic? Am I interested in doing that research? Not really. That's not my thing. Excellent. You know? Right, it's 906, people. Some lovely comments coming in. People have joined us live. Don't forget, you can always join us live. You haven't got to be an STM member. Becky Carroll has said, thanks so much for a great chat, Matt and Pura. I needed this motivational boost this evening. Well, you've got it, Becky. As always, every Tuesday, we're here, 8 o'clock on the yeah. dot. Um, Glenn Murphy says, really good chat, guys. Thank you very much. Um, what do we got? Shelley Farrow. Um, thanks for joining us, Shelley. Um, it says, what a lovely guy. He is, isn't he? So glad I joined tonight. Thank you. Um, <laughs> and uh, Benjamin, uh, who sent me the cosmetics, what's he had to say? He said, uh, what's Benny Boy said? Many thanks for tonight, Pur. You filled my jellies with the confidence to go forth and carry on the magic with these hands. Good lad. Good lad, ben. Good lad, good lad. Good lad. Get yourself a T-shirt and say, my hands are magic. <laughs> you haven't got... You haven't got T-shirts on your site, have you? I think a big lion or something with poo or something would be good. So, so you know, I'm right? not allowed to swear, right? But, <laughs> but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it anyway, right? Okay. In my clinic, um, I have I have a statement that I do with everyone, and that's yeah. and that's and I've got even got one of these little buzzers, right? And it's hashtag no bullshit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's no bullshit between each other, no bullshit to the patient, no bullshit about anything. If you do not know, we need to know straight away. You get yeah, three yeah. sessions to work with this patient. If you change their symptoms and everything's great and they're going in the right direction, it's fantastic. If they're not, then you stop. You come and grab one of the team and say, guys, can you have a look at this for me? And just let's see if we're getting this in the right way. But uh, you do not bullshit anybody. Not yeah, us, yeah. not the patient, nobody. Hashtag no bullshit. Very nice. So there you go. I'm some, if someone makes t-shirts if you can get an image a screenshot and just do hashtag no bullshit underneath <laughs> so, nav's back thanks for joining us again nav i, I don't yeah, know are you actually great. in kenya at the moment it must be i don't know what she is she's in, kenya. Mind. she's in kenya she goes, so nav says you instill confidence in your patients about your treatment by having confidence in your treatments very true we know that the research shows that doesn't it um brian huxley says uh brilliant chat this evening thanks Pura and matt thank you for joining us as always brian a regular person here and um yeah and the list goes on in fact it's been a good turnout tonight Puri, you've attracted the masses and um, tim allardyce who tim allardyce sorry who you had that chat with uh, on the on the tracks is great chat guys and also Puri is a super hard worker and works long hours great therapist credit to the profession oh cheers tim see a lot of people don't see that i said to you about elite elite <laughs> elite elite uh, work uh, i'll give you a, a typical day at the olympics um so we would get up at um half six seven um, and then basically sh- you, you shower change and then you straight downstairs, carry your table all the way over to the, to the travel, um, pallet, uh, place, grab some food on your way there. And then you, you catch the coach half an hour to the Olympic village, uh, to the Olympic stadium. Um, and then you're there for the morning, <clears throat> for the morning session. So you'll have athletes that are doing the morning session, athletes that are, are competing, athletes that are there training. So you take care of them from eight all the way through to maybe one o'clock. So you'll do maybe, Eight event, uh, eight sessions, nine sessions, and that's in the heat in a tent. You know, like there's the, you know, it's 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 not not it's not whistles and bells. 
Um, and then about one o'clock, um, this was the first time I saw this happen, actually. Um, in Tokyo, it got so hot that they actually closed the track for two hours in the afternoons. It was like 39 degrees, so they closed the track. So literally, you jump back on the bus. It's a half an hour bus journey back. You get back, you stop, you eat, you go back to your room, you shower, you change because you're sweating, you're stinky. You get about 15 minutes to sit down, have a cup of tea, and then you're back out, back on the bus, back to there. And then you're there from about three in the afternoon till 11 at night. And you're working all the way through. And then you get on the bus at 11 o'clock, you get back to the to the village, you eat at about midnight, and then you you you, you have a wash, you go to sleep, you get up at 6, 6.30 again. I averaged about 26,000 steps a day for about 11 days straight. I lost seven kilos body weight at Tokyo. And that's... That's that's the kind of extent of work that you're supposed to do. It's 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 a massive mind mind yeah. issue. There. It's massive. You don't speak to your family a lot. You don't. You know. You're you're on you're you're on 24 hours a day. You're working all day long. It's one of the most stressful things you will ever do. Is work at a champs like that. But you know, it's it's all it goes well there. Like you said, did against... you have a cry? Did you have a cry? Did you have reason to cry? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I, I had a cry. I had a cry in Rio. Uh, Tokyo was fantastic. I had a great time. Rio was really tough. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. really, really hard. We had we had lots of issues in Rio, um, mm. and uh, and it was it was almost four weeks I was out there, and I've got a young family, and I've got like, yeah, yeah. and you know, and, and, and it, the internet connection was shit. It was, mm. it was, um, it was, it was, it was, it was really tough. And yeah, you do you end up speaking to the psychologist, you know, yeah, like, yeah. like all like all the best people in the world and all the best athletes in the world, you have a psychologist because guess what? That's elite performance. It's not a weakness. Yeah, yeah. Great stuff, Pura. Thank you so much. Um, I'm list- I'm really looking forward to listening to back this back to this myself on the podcast. There's so much there for people. Thanks for joining us live as well, everybody who's in the house on YouTube Thanks, and um, on uh, in the Facebook page. Um, before we say goodbye, then just to let you know that next week, um, if you listen to this on the podcast, then next week, which will be the 19th. Um, of October we're going to speak to Raphael Bender all the way from Melbourne Australia who's principal trainer for breathe education delivering evidence-based Pilates courses which I'm really interested in fantastic um, uh, again a lot of uh, myths misconceptions about Pilates he's going to set awesome. the record straight there we go brilliant stuff. The, uh, the sing sign of approval it's, it's brilliant stuff um so yeah looking forward to that um so yeah if you want to join us live for that if you're listening to the podcast and you fancy joining us with the great group of people who we have in here to share and network and stuff then uh, you can head to the facebook page sports Therapy association or just hang out on youtube and you'll find us there on the channel as well and you can join awesome. live in right pur um, thanks so much if people want to contact you then what's the best way where are you most at, at uh, the edgebaston performance clinic on instagram or at porous sing on instagram and at porous sing on twitter that's it. Fantastic. Uh, Porosing uh, is just me personal, but then the uh, Edge Baston one, that's where we, we put stuff from where what we're doing in terms of the clinic and stuff like that. And okay. I run a course with uh, with Mike um, sometimes, like an elite therapy course that we did there. And it's basically a, a day, a couple of days of, of trackside performance therapy, like manual hands-on technique that you use um, for every joint periphery and um, and stuff and how we do it with it in elite athletics and stuff like that, how to get someone kind of race ready. We do that as well. We might be running one um um at the beginning of next year i think oh, fantastic. and all that goes on mike's website is it yeah that's all on mike's website and that's okay. all it's all done with the sta as well so the sta will be advertising it and stuff and like i'm a massive like i said i'm a massive advocate of, of sports therapists man I, I i i focus a lot of my attention on that because i think it's a great profession and it's really young and it's 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 it, it, you know in, in five to ten years like okay i went i went to everton today and everton have a sports therapist mm-hmm. I, i'm going to ask the villa on a friday they have a sports therapist 
All right. So, so anyone who's who's questioning being a sports therapist, you know what? Stick with it. Like sports therapy is going places, and you guys just need to keep keep pushing and pushing the boundaries. There you go. I'll edit the video to cut out there with the music coming in the background because I think it'd be better than my voice saying goodnight. But, um, <laughs> yeah, great, Pura. Thanks so much right, for your time, mate. Really appreciate it. Stick around and I'll say goodbye personally. But again, right. everyone who's joined us, uh, come back next Tuesday if you can. Um, otherwise, um, yeah, listen to us on the podcast. Take care, all. Um, we'll speak to you soon. You're listening to the Sports Therapy Association podcast. Let's talk about it.